डियर लिस्नर्स साईराम वेलकम टू अवर रेडियो सीरीज आफ्टरनून सत्संग दिस इज अ डिस्कशन बिटवीन रेडियो साईज प्रेम एंड अरविंद ऑन डिफरेंट स्पिरिचुअल टॉपिक्स एवरी थर्सडे ऑन एशिया स्ट्रीम ऑफ रेडियो साई ग्लोबल हार्मनी यू कैन एन्जॉय दिस लाइव कॉन्वर्सेशन इट्स फ्रॉम ट्वेल्व थर्टी पी एम टू टू पी एम इंडियन स्टैंडर्ड टाइम Today's episode was first featured as part of First Day Live on July 11th, 2013. Sai Ram and welcome to all our listeners for yet another segment of Afternoon Satsang. I am in a very pleasant mood. and along with me is prem from team radio sai in a very pleasant mood and we hope that we will be able to transmit this mood to one and all with a very interesting topic that we decided to have as part of our global satsang today welcome and sai ram prem sai ram arvind and i join you in welcoming all our listeners and offering our most humble pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet yes indeed it's a very pleasant day and it's a very interesting topic too and because it's a topic which i think every devotee lives through literally and there is no escape exactly knowing is one thing but experiencing is totally another ball game altogether uh, yes the topic we've chosen is the difference between knowing faith and having faith exactly prem before we talk about you know knowing faith and having faith i think if we discuss something about knowing and having i'm reminded you know during our college days when i was doing my bachelor's in chemistry we had something called the cation analysis right. where you know you have to find out what is the cation or the positive ion in a particular salt right and one of the tests there was the flame test in the flame test they would say that different ions whether it's a zinc ion or a calcium ion different ions give a different kind of flame when you keep them in the flame now theoretically you know from the book i had read and i had studied you know something is supposed to give a green flame something is supposed to give a blue flame right something is supposed to give a greenish blue flame and something supposed to give a yellowish flame all this i knew if you just ask me what cation is it if it gives a greenish flame i could tell the answer but i still remember the first time when i was doing the practicals when actually i was working with those salts and i had my theory very sound at the tip of my fingers and the tip of my tongue the answers were there but then when i actually burned that salt i indeed got a flame but now i was unable to decide whether it was actually a greenish flame or a bluish flame or a greenish blue flame mm-hmm. how do you distinguish between the three because i felt that if i viewed it in one perspective i could term it as blue i could term something as green i could term it also as greenish blue though i knew what the answer is if it's a bluish flame i had no way of determining whether it's bluish right and that was when i sought the help of my teacher and when he told me that this is a greenish flame and therefore it is this cation that practical experience is actually what made me realize and understand better and therefore when it comes to faith also i feel we may know everything there is to be known about faith but having faith is a totally different ball game altogether because that can come only through experience even in this process of learning what faith is I think it's very similar to what you go through even in elementary mathematics. Hmm. Addition you supposed to add. First you're given only two entities to add. Okay. And then slowly you're taught about adding two or three entities together. Hmm. 
and then adding decimals together adding fractions together hmm so i think in every stage what happens especially when you learn you always think that that's all is there to be learnt you know i don't know whether you felt it but almost in every section of mathematics i used to feel that what more is there in maths yeah we have learned everything yeah, okay yeah i learned addition i thought that's all maths is about and then when subtraction was you know introduced said so, oh yeah i mean i didn't think about this but that's all there has to be learnt about and then you were introduced multiplication, multiplication. division then i said wow that's nice but again that's all is i think that's what education itself does to you when you slowly your understanding is opened up and i guess that's what happens to us even in this path of learning faith hmm you given faith and hmm. you are overjoyed by it you know you know that the moment you know swami and you know that swami takes care of everything that faith actually brightens your life in fact you go about telling everyone also you right. know have faith it is the best thing to have right in fact we do that we go around telling people that you know when swami is there why do we have to worry but the real proof of the pudding comes when you know you are put in a similar situation <laughs> when you eat your own words and exactly as you said it you know it's not a way of testing what you are testing your understanding but that's the best way you will actually learn right it's not a test or you know it's not a way where you are being rated but that's the best way to learn but we often feel that you know god is testing me we are being rated being judged i am either a winner or a loser it reminds me of one beautiful episode that i don't know i think we must have narrated it many times in different perspectives because this episode has so many different angles to it it so happened that during the 2007 atirudra mahayagnam mm-hmm. you know after the success of the atirudra mahayagnam in 2006 in prashanthiniliyam swami blessed the conducting of the atirudra mahayagnam in chennai also right. and that in itself is beautiful because prem i remember how it was said that when swami had visited chennai he saw long lines of people waiting for water and in his kind of innocence he asked what is this about you know then they were told swami they are all waiting to take water and swami felt that in the city of madras when there are such huge buildings on one side there are people struggling for water here swami said that i shall not come into madras again till i give water to these people right so this atirudram mahayagnam though that was a so called main event it is so significant because that time when as swami stepped into chennai Chennai had been supplied water completely by the Shri Satisai drinking water supply project. Okay, I remember that. I think the last visit before that was in 97 or 98. And after that, I mean, even for God, <laughs> I think that is how entangled Indian politics is. Even God had such a problem in trying to get this canal through. But the Lord's will always comes triumphant. <laughs> If that is the message we can take from that because after a decade swami did it and he kept his word. He stepped into Chennai only after providing water to all the people of Chennai. Well that's another story altogether but here swami had taken along with him a few students who would be speaking before swami's discourse you know naturally they had scheduled swami's discourse for each day of the yagnam just as it happened in prashanthiniliyam they were replicating the same yagnam there so there were speakers who were supposed to speak before swami this classmate of mine got a chance to travel along with swami a great privilege and he was a speaker slated to speak in hindi because mm-hmm. he was very good in hindi one day before his talk swami was at the dining session and uh, the day's proceedings had just concluded and it was the dinner time and all the boys had assembled and swami just asked this boy so tomorrow you are the speaker what are you speaking about he said swami i am going to speak about guru swami asked him who is guru he said swami guru is made up of two words gu and ru so gukaro gunatita rukaro rupa varchita he just almost parroted swami's words and meaning gunatita is one who is beyond attributes right and one who transcends form rupa varjita right so when he told this swami said who is your guru then he said swami you are my guru and then swami said this kani nak rupa munde 
But I have got a form. Then this boy was, you know, trapped. He said, "Swami, I don't know all that. You are my guru. That's all I know." He just said like that. Then Swami said, "See, boys have only theoretical knowledge, but so many doubts they still have. This is what we were talking about in faith also. You know, knowing about faith is one thing; having faith is totally another thing. Theoretical knowledge is one thing; practical knowledge is totally different." So Swami said, "If you have any doubts, you ask." This is a beautiful opportunity to get your spiritual doubts clarified. So this boy happened to be right in front of Swami. So he said, "Swami, what is sharanagati or surrender?" Swami looked at him and told him, "You tell me. What do you think is sharanagati?" Mm-hmm. So this boy thought for a while and he said, "Swami, I think sharanagati means offering our everything to the Lord. Surrender is that giving up everything to the Lord." Swami said, "Sir, God does not want anything from you." <laughs> Then Swami went on to explain, and he explained in a manner. that only swami can only he can you know he said have you driven a car he said yes swami swami said how do you drive a car swami steering wheel accelerator brake clutch gears oh how many gears are there so swami it depends but yeah definitely there are four gears for going forward and one reverse gear how do you put gears <laughs> he was wondering whether there was a motor driving school or some training school So he in fact showed swami swami first gear you put it front like this second gear you pull it back like this third gear you put front Fourth gear, you put back. Swami said, "Yes, front, back, front, back. That's how you have gears. The car of life has its gears. Just as he said, front, back, front, back. Swami said, happiness, sadness, happiness, sadness. These are the gears. Mm-hmm. And Swami said, the car runs fine in first gear. It runs fine in the second gear. It runs fine in the third gear also. The only problem comes when you shift between the gears. The car is not able to run properly. That time, what do you do?" So this boy answered, "Swami, we use the clutch." Swami said, "In life also, there's a clutch, and that clutch is surrender." And then Swami explained. He said, "To surrender means to tell yourself and have conviction that whatever happens, idhi na manchi ko samay, which means this is for my good." And right. Swami told that in Telugu. So Swami said, "See, when we are happy, we have no problem. When we are sad also, but from sadness, when we go to happiness." we you know go beyond cloud 9 and we are out of control and when from happiness we are brought down to sorrow we get depressed and go to abysmal depths so that is where swami said we should use the clutch of idi na manchiko this is good for me this is good for me so from a sad situation when we go to a happy situation don't think that it's something about your greatness or your glory it is good for you and therefore god has made it happen to you same way when from a top position you fall down don't think that what is going wrong why is this why is this terrible thing happening to me just have the conviction this, this is good for me so the god is making it so in this way you will have equanimity and then swami looked at him and asked understood yes swami he was bold over and who will not be this was such a magnificent exposition on surrender so he was also thrilled everybody was thrilled The next day, this boy gave his talk in Hindi, and it was a resounding success. If you were to judge it by the decibel level of the applause, well, it was a thumping success. He was also very happy, and he was looking at Swami, hoping to see that pride in Swami's eyes. Every student cherishes that, you know, when he can make Swami proud of him. But Swami gave no response. That night during dinner session, Swami asked one of the elders there, "How did this boy speak?" He said Swami spoke very well. Swami, what is it? It was almost like Swami speaking through him. So it was Swami cut that elder curtly in middle of what he was saying. He said, "No, it was not good." Swami said, "It was not at all nice." He spoke whatever he wanted. Now this boy, he's sitting there having his dinner. He suddenly felt, "What is this happening?" He felt all my thing was to make Swami happy, but Swami is not happy. So what is the use? And then Swami said, 
See, yesterday I told him so neatly about Sharanagati, but he did not speak about it at all. Now, when this boy heard the statement, internally he revolted. He said, Swami, I never told you I'm going to speak about Sharanagati. I told you I'm going to speak about Guru. This is wrong. You are accusing me wrongly. And now with sadness came anger also. In fact, he stopped eating also. He just didn't feel like eating. He felt so sad and he felt angry. He felt, Swami, this is not right. In middle, you know, Swami finished his dinner quickly and began to take rounds. In between where the students were having food, Swami came to this boy. Swami looked at him and said, not eating? He just made a face as if to say that, Swami, I am fine, I am full now. And Swami looked at him and said, What happened to surrender, sir? What happened to your Sharanagati? And in an instant, this boy realized, Oh my God, what is this? You know, just yesterday, Swami has told me that whatever happens, whether you get praise or blame or order, just keep thinking it's good for me and be equanimous. That is true, Sharanagati. And here I am. The next day itself... <laughs> How blatantly I have forgotten the whole thing. He instantly got up from his chair, fell on his knees, went to Swami and said, Swami, tappai poindi, shamin chandi. Swami, I have made a mistake. Please forgive me. Swami said, yes. And then Swami told him, you spoke very well. <laughs> this time, you know, the boy had grown wise. He did not get elated. He just smiled and said, Swami, it's all your grace. Swami said, have your dinner. He went and had dinner. And then when he narrated this episode to us, he said, See, that is how in such subtle manner we forget. Just yesterday Swami had told me to be equanimous and take everything for my good is Sharanagati. And he asked me also, have you understood? And I said, yes, Swami, I understood. But the next day when it came to practice, I failed so miserably. So, you know, knowing about faith and having faith really is so different and it is so subtle. Really, you know, one of the most beautiful analogies that Swami gives about faith, you know, is mm-hmm. that of hammering a nail into the wall. Okay. You know, in Christian religion, it's a very, very famous statement which says that faith is a gift. Hmm. It is given. Hmm. You know, contrary to the belief that you have faith or you develop faith. Okay. It said faith is a gift which is given. Hmm. So, given that, you know, Swami says that, let us say that you hammer a nail into the wall. What is the idea of hammering a nail? It's so that the nail gets stuck in the wall. But the same action after doing which, you know, you put the nail inside, Hmm. then you try to pull it out. (laughs) Swami says you shake it and you try to pull it out. So that you make sure that it is firm inside. If it is not firm inside, you hammer it further. And once you are sure that it is firm, then you hang a picture on it. Hmm. So if you look at it, you know, gift is a faith which is given to you. Hmm. So God who gives that faith to you also shakes it. You know, so that you will know whether that faith is firmly implanted in you or not. If it is not, what has to be done to make it firm in you has to be done. Hmm. And you know, I think all these incidents are there. You know, Swami gives the faith. Swami gives you the experience to strengthen the faith. And then gives you a test so that you know whether your faith is perfectly firm or not. It gives you an opportunity to reconfirm or, you know, do what is necessary to strengthen that faith. I definitely agree to that, Prem, because anytime such incidents have happened, the time that you suffer the most is when you're actually going through that episode. But after the incident, invariably, 100% of the time, you always look back at that episode and... For example, that student that I told the story about, the experience about, today he looks back at that experience during Athirudra Mahayagnam with great fondness in his heart and he is filled with gratitude to Swami for having given him that chance. But when he was going through it, it was really difficult. And I feel this is not something new that Swami is doing. Take the avatars from the times, whether it is Rama or Krishna or anybody. Every time there have been incidents where the Lord has granted the faith, and has given the devotee an opportunity later on to check on the faith and see how he has failed or passed so that he can build on the faith, right? That's in fact, you know, one very famous story in Bhagavatam. Mm-hmm. You would have heard how 
the king kaushika becomes vishwamitra okay king kaushika is actually little jealous of vasishta hmm. he wants to become a sage vasishta brahmarishi yeah sage okay. vasishta well for our listeners who might not be aware of this terminology sages are called rishis, rishis. in india and there's a kind of gradation of these sages based on their spiritual attainments right. the highest being a brahmarishi a brahmarishi is supposed to be the greatest sage almost god in human form and so there is rajarishi there are different rishis right. so vasishta was a brahmarishi and vishwamitra wanted to become a brahmarishi but in spite of all his spiritual efforts he was only given the title of a rajarishi because hmm. he was a king who became a rishi but you know he was not satisfied with that and then he goes on to do tremendous austerities in fact vishwamitra gave the gayatri mantra to the world oh that's why he was called Oh, Vishwamitra. Vishwamitra. Friend of the world. The friend of the world. Hmm. So what happens is actually Indra sends Menaka, hmm. fearing that this man might become a great sage and he might threaten Indra's post. You know, Indra, the king of Devas. King of Devas. This, mythology. Which very often happens in mythology. Indra is supposed to be the king of all the gods. So anytime a human being does tremendous penance, he feels threatened that, you know, his place might be in stake. So he tries to do away with that person's penance, sends rain, sends fire or whatever, or sends some damsels. Mm. So that's what he does. He sends Menaka and he falls for Menaka. a divine damsel and then fathers a child of menaka and then after that you know he gets so disgusted with himself he says i am on the pursuit of becoming a brahmarishi and i fallen for this so then vishamitra again shuns that life pursues his penance then i think urvasi is sent to him so this time what he does is he's on guard he curses urvasi and sends her off and then he realizes that he has lost his temper just like how kama is a thing which has to be overcome just as desire is something to be overcome right this time he has fallen prey to anger anger or krodha then again he goes back into his penance and then finally he becomes a brahmarishi so there is a conversation between lord shiva and narada hmm. where narada says why did you test vishwamitra like this shiva says that i did not test vishwamitra being a king being a kshatriya these were two predominant qualities in him hmm. desire and anger i just gave him an opportunity to remove these things Hmm. So what the world sees as a test were actually opportunities given to that sincere yearning in that individual. Hmm. So there's no question of somebody failing in the test of God or somebody losing in a duel with God. Hmm. Everything is only an opportunity so that we can try again and build on what we've lost. You know talking about faith and how through the ages God has given opportunities. I'm reminded of one story which Swami keeps narrating in the discourses. many times as an exemplar of faith mm-hmm. you know he speaks about arjuna mm-hmm. the warrior and how one day during a walk a stroll in the garden with lord krishna krishna suddenly points to the skies and he says you know look arjuna there flies an eagle arjuna doesn't even turn to the skies he just looks at krishna and he says yes lord it's an eagle that's flying there but then krishna says but just wait a minute is it an eagle You know I think it's a dove that is flying there. What do you think? Again Arjuna does not even look at the skies. He just says, "Yes my lord, I'm sorry, it's a dove that is flying there." Then Krishna says, "Hey, no no no, wait. Now that I can see it clearly, I think it's a crow." Then Arjuna says, "Yes Krishna, it's a crow." Now Krishna looks at him and tells Arjuna, "Don't you have your own common sense? Don't you have your brain? Don't you have your eyes? You're simply blindly agreeing to whatever I'm saying." Then Arjuna replies, he says, "Lord, I rather trust your word." than my own eyes because i know the power inherent in your word that even if my eyes tell me even if what i see what i feel what i think is contrary to what you say even then that is what is come true because your word is truth so therefore lord i need not even look up whatever you say it is it is that and swami often quotes this example 
as exemplary faith but that's the beautiful thing no i think that's why swami quotes examples like arjuna because the same arjuna actually falters later in the story of mahabharata imagine the same arjuna at the end of the battle the whole thing happens and the kauravas are defeated mm mm-hmm. and when arjuna is supposed to retire to his camp mm-hmm. the gentle thing is like you know the charioteer gets down okay and then asks the person who's riding the chariot to come down Hmm. But Krishna sitting there, he tells Arjuna that you alight first, then I'll come down. Hmm. So then Arjuna says, no, no, that's not the procedure. You being the charioteer, you should come down first. Okay. So then there's a little bit of battle, and Krishna says, no, no, you listen to me, and you get down, and tells it very firmly. So Arjuna, you know, doesn't have a choice. The moment Arjuna comes down, and then when Krishna comes off the chariot, the chariot bursts into flames. Krishna says that almost many of those missiles which were aimed at Arjuna, Krishna took upon himself. and you know it was all waiting to burst in the chariot if krishna had got down from the chariot first it would have gone up in flames and arjuna would have been killed hmm. so he was literally keeping them at bay till he got down from the chariot so imagine the same arjuna who said that if it's a crow it's a crow if it's a dove it's a dove but here he was arguing which is the right procedure to follow indeed prem i think that should actually motivate us and inspire us because if a person as accomplished as skillful and as spiritually advanced if i may use the term as arjuna could falter i mean it's nothing like a stamp of failure or defeat on us when we falter but just as arjuna used those opportunities we should also consider these not as failures but as opportunities to identify and rectify and grow stronger in our faith we shall definitely continue discussing this very wonderful and subtle topic after this little break There's a lonely heart that's beating loud There's a hungry heart that's crying out People all around us are in some kind of pain What is it that they're being so scared about? Don't they trust in God who's up above? He's always there for us at any given time or place Cause you have to trust You must not for a second Cause you have to trust in God And you must not for a second Not have faith in Him There's healing after pain Is there a sunshine after rain Through Him you will find your way Sunshine after rain Through Him you will find His 
that's beating loud There's a hungry heart that's crying out People all around us are in some kind of pain What is it that they've been so scared about? Don't they trust in God who's up above? He's always there for us at any given time or place Cause you have to trust in God And you must not for a second Cause you have to trust in God And you must not for a second But a faith in Then will he not provide and take good care at all times? It's just faith in him that can move mountains and parties. Then will he not provide and take good care at all times? Well, that was a very nice song, Prem. I mean, what a nice blend of the East and the West, the chords of the West and the beats of the East. Well sung by famous playback singer Kunal Ganjawala. Well, Prem, before the break, you know, we were talking about how Arjuna, the great warrior, himself faltered when it came to having faith. And we, uh, you know, narrated that story about how Arjuna saw each bird as whatever bird that Krishna saw. That triggered off another memory in me. A memory of one wonderful Thrai session. You remember Prem, those beautiful Thrai sessions that Brindavan was famous for? They would say that the amount of grace and love that students receive for two months during various Thrai sessions when Swami is in Brindavan is equivalent to all the love and grace that all the other students receive for 10 months in Prashanthinilyam. But absolutely, I think that was the only time when we could go and literally spend two hours with Swami. In Swami's home? In Swami's residence itself. Because otherwise, in Prashantinilam, we would be seated there. Definitely, Swami used to spend a lot of time moving about and sitting in the portico. But there used to be a little bit of formality in the way Swami used to carry himself. In Prashantinilam. In, mm. in fact, you know, the devotees who would have come to Brindavan would have surely noticed one apparent anomaly. In Prashantinilam, always when the students enter the hall, the first places to be occupied are the front rows and those rows that are closest to, you know, where Swami's chair is. But in Brindavan, the first few students who come into the hall will not sit closest 
to the stage where Swami's chair is, they will sit farthest away. Farthest. Because when Swami calls for thrai session, that will be the first line that will be let into the thrai grounds and then into thrai Vrindavan, which is Swami's residence as well. And therefore, a person who is not aware of this would have really thought of this as something very crazy because a student who is coming first in the line will be coming running and rushing to occupy the last few places because when it came to thrai session it was always last in first out the last line that is there will be the first line to exit <laughs> that gives an idea about how much you know a student loved to be in the thick of action when it came to a thrai session that he was ready to sacrifice the chance of sitting close during bhajans to Swami's chair and Swami himself. And because the first boy in that line gets to replace the footstool. <laughs> in Thrai Vrindavan, yes. And Swami's jula. The first thing they would do is go and push that stool under the jula so that Swami never gets it. <laughs> and Swami would keep his feet on right. the laps of those privileged students who would be sitting in the right. front. And then a few students would get the chance to rock the jula. Right. And even during that session, Prem, I know I am taking a detour here, but I think we should relish a few of those moments. It would be so different. There have been many instances where Swami has made speakers speak in His presence. But in Thrai session it would be so different because people who had never spoken before or people whom Swami would not have the guts of making them speak in public, such people also would get chances to speak in Swami's presence. Not only speakers, even singers. I remember one Thrai session when all the singers from Prashantinilyam, you know, during the vacation because Swami was in Brindavan, they had come to Brindavan to have darshan and then return back to their duties in Prashantinilyam. So when we got the Thrai session, Swami came and said, today we will have a song session. I personally was very thrilled because all our legendary heroes, the legendary singers whom we look up to, all had arrived from Prashantinilyam and this was the perfect day to have a Thrai session dedicated only to songs, you know, where we could see Swami and hear these beautiful songs. So I'm sure... All the other students also would have got excited like me. But then Swami began to call out the list of singers. I do not want to name those people, but he started with people who have absolutely no idea how to sing. Mm-hmm. And that Thrai session was indeed a fully musical session. But instead of listening to music, maybe I can say that we had to face the music because everybody who sang was an absolute non-singer who even did not have an idea of pitch or rhythm. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like a comedy. But those people really enjoyed it because nowhere else they could have ever dreamt of having a chance to sing out to their Lord. And all of us also enjoyed because the songs were so awry. <laughs> Swami do heartily enjoyed. I mean, this kind of session, where else could we have had? Even as you're saying, even talking about the speeches and all, mm-hmm. there used to be a live audit. That's why, dear listeners, many times when we narrate an incident, we say that this was narrated in Swami's presence in Trai Vrindavan. Hmm. Because there, the chance of you narrating something which was factually wrong Incorrect. was impossible. Hmm. Because the moment you start speaking, Swami will that didn't happen. Hey, this is not right. He did not say that. I did not tell this. Immediately, Swami would just stop because Swami could pat and tell him to stop. Hmm. That's the distance the speaker used to have while narrating. We would just be standing beside Swami and speaking. So even as the speaker would be speaking, Swami would be cracking jokes here. The speaker will not understand why people are giggling because Swami would have told something here. No, really wonderful. And also I remember when you said about the speakers, the kind of interaction that would go on. I remember one speaker, Swami indicated to him that after him, there was a teacher speaking and Swami indicated to this speaker that after he speaks, next you speak. So as this person was preparing his talk, the speaker there was speaking about Mukam Karoti Vachalam, which means the grace of the Lord can make even a dumb man speak. speak. 
and it goes on pangum langayate girim that a lame man can climb a mountain swami looked at him and gently told him you know opposite ka cheppu means speak the opposite so he was wondering what swami was telling about and instantly it struck him i remember it was such a memorable speech you know what he spoke about prem he spoke about how the grace of the lord can make even the eloquent people dumbstruck dumbstruck and that was exactly opposite of what the previous speaker had spoken the previous speaker had spoken how he can make the dumb speak and here he was speaking about how grace of lord can make even the eloquent people dumbstruck you know well so many so many <laughs> memories from three so coming back to the topic proper if i may say so that was one three session when swami happened to start talking about the mahabharata and krishna okay now before this i must confess that every time you know when swami narrated the story of arjuna and krishna of this dove eagle and crow the thought that would arise in my mind is you know what's so great about arjuna in that that's what i would have done that's what you would have done right i mean if swami tells you this is this you believe that that's it that's it and this used to be a thought that had solidified into a conviction inside me i felt that there's nothing special about arjuna this that swami chooses to talk about him and so this day you know swami was speaking about very interesting things you know swami was asking a student who is the hero in the mahabharata he said swami krishna swami said not dharmaja not yudhishthira the eldest among the pandavas who is considered as the embodiment of dharma he is also a hero right then he said swami one is a hero at the worldly level one is at the divine level swami said oh so there are two levels in the mahabharata is it this person had no answer to say then swami said what about krishna you know he did so many actions some things he did wrong right swami said like you know that ashwatthama when he you know i won't go into that story now but if we read the mahabharata we'll come across many instances where krishna apparently seems to you know have slightly gone into gray areas to get victory advantage yes <laughs> so swami said so krishna kabhi kabhi galti kiya nahi in hindi swami said he did some mistakes right this boy you know he just said swami i think whatever krishna did is right only swami he said noting that hesitation in his voice swami said whatever krishna did sab sahi everything right whatever krishna says that is truth and then you know to uh, highlight the fact that whatever krishna says is the truth swami narrated the story Mm-hmm. of that you know, whatever bird krishna says and even as swami started that once krishna and arjuna were going for a stroll in the garden i reduced my attention level i thought ah this is a story that i know yeah again he praise arjuna what's so great about arjuna that's what my, my thought surprisingly you know swami changed the narrative in a very shocking fashion he said krishna told arjuna arjuna look up there there's a gurram horse in the sky <laughs> And this was atrocious you know i was thinking that swami wanted to elongate the story so if you want to elongate the story use some other birds you know tell a kite was there or tell a peacock was there or something like that and here was swami telling that krishna told arjuna there's a horse in the sky and i saw that i was not the only person disturbed in the audience there was quite a few other thing hey, how can a horse fly in the sky swami continued as if like nothing had happened then he said arjuna said it seems that yes krishna it is indeed a horse <laughs> then swami continues and he says krishna tells but no arjuna i don't think it's a horse just see i think it's a lion at this point i said oh my god swami what are you we are making a complete hash of the story okay and then arjuna looks up and says yes krishna it's indeed a lion then i was thinking swami come back to birds at least birds fly animals don't fly and then swami said krishna said that no arjuna i think it's an eagle Ah, I heaved a sigh of relief. He came back to birds, and then he went to eagle, crow, and 
you know the same dove the three birds that he uses always i just felt if you wanted to prolong the story use two more birds why use animals and this is exactly how i have noted down the happenings of that day in my diary it was recently when i was going through my diary i got a slap on my face you know here was i thinking at that time that what is so great about arjuna and i felt that if i was in that situation i would have done the same thing what arjuna did that is agree to krishna but here was swami giving me a chance to be in the exact same situation of arjuna where the lord is telling something apparently atrocious but even without looking not thinking of what the eyes can see the ears can hear or what the mind can think blindly agreeing because you know that the lord word is the truth and when i got the opportunity i miserably failed you know when swami was narrating that krishna said it's a lion and arjuna said yes my lord it's a lion me who thought that i am as great as arjuna in my faith was telling swami swami come on lions don't fly shift to birds what are you doing you're making a hash of the story and that is when i realized that it's so easy to be a platform hero as swami calls it but when it comes to practicality that is when as you say the proof of the pudding is in the eating i realized how subtly do i feel that i have faith swami has gifted me faith and i am so thrilled by it when it came to practical i failed there i look at it and feel that this is another learning opportunity to realize how when you say blind faith it is not that you are blind to logic because what the lord is saying is illogical you are blind to logic because you know that the lord's word is the truth and it can materialize the minute he mentions it right exactly you have different levels of faith mm. you know i can have faith within these conditions <laughs> you know when it becomes too much for the reason to accept then my faith gets shaken just like you said mathematics you feel right. that this is what faith is all about and suddenly subtraction is said oh okay this is also faith so then every time you just have to include what happens in your understanding of this one mm. in fact you know one incident when i remember is one of the students after his education when he stayed back mm. when he was studying swami had told him that you stay back here mm. i'll give you a job but then after he stayed back nothing was forthcoming from swami mm. so once in an interaction he told swami that swami i am here because you asked me to stay mm. then swami said oh, are you here only because i told you to stay mm. so he said yes swami because you have told me to stay i am staying here then swami said okay i am telling you then now <laughs> you go back home okay you know he was so shaken back by that because swami said yeah i gave you a word i am taking it back now so he was not ready to accept that because though he had faith that swami will do whatever he has promised that he will do he was trying to frame swami with that promise which swami had given hmm. Hmm. that's what swami said you know faith and surrender is so inseparable we think you can bind swami by the word which he has given which is not true ultimate faith actually will result in ultimate surrender this is very profound point that you have made prem because how many times has not the question arisen in our mind you know regarding the mahasamadhi saying how can swami leave he said he'll be till 96 how can he go I mean questioning and faith I think at the end the culmination of questioning when you got your answers that is what is faith Actually you know there's a very beautiful episode which happens in the life of Radha mm-hmm. when Krishna is leaving for Mathura okay. you know when that period as cowherd boy in Gokulam and Vrindavan is over all the gopikas know that he's not going to return you know how much ever he promises that he will mm-hmm. they know that once he goes he'll become a prince and he'll never come back to be their Krishna mm-hmm. so everybody is pleading with him and they're trying to persuade him to stay back Hmm. Then they realize that Radha, who was most close to Krishna, was not part of that group which was pleading with Krishna to stay back. Hmm. So they search for her, and they find that she is in that very same place in the banks of Yamuna, where she would spend time with Krishna. She is seated there all alone, 
So some of them rush to her, trying to gain her support. They tell, why don't you come and tell Krishna to stop? Because if you say, he'll definitely stop. <laughs> they know that the bond between Radha and Krishna and they say, if you say, don't go. No, Krishna I was just reminded work. that how it happens here also, you know. There used to be some student with whom Swami would speak to on a regular basis for his own reasons. And we used to call them as form boys. Mm-hmm. So, suppose we have to ask, Swami, can our class come for morning darshan or can our class put up a drama in front of you? We would always try to prod these boys into asking because we used to feel that if these boys ask, Swami cannot refuse. He can refuse us, but he can't refuse these boys. <laughs> I just thought that maybe the Gopikas too felt the same about Radha. But right, you know, that's maybe what the Gopikas thought about Radha, but Radha was what she is because of what she said. She looked at the Yamuna, she looked at the puddles of water. Hmm. And she said, see, look at all these puddles of water. In every puddle, the moon is reflected. Hmm. And just because the moon reflects in this puddle, can this puddle say that the moon belongs to me? Hmm. He said, it's just that the puddle is pure, so the moon is reflecting on it. Hmm. So he said, we all belong to Krishna. Krishna does not belong to us. We have to accept whatever he chooses to do. We have no claim on him. Hmm. And he says, if he chooses to go, then we have to accept it. You know, Prem, as a continuation of this thought, Again, what a beautiful paradox it is that the minute when Radha has accepted that Krishna does not belong to me, that is when Krishna comes and tells Radha, I belong to you. He gives up the flute and he's always one with Radha. So even though Krishna is wedded to so many other wives, but still when anybody speaks about Radhe Krishna, (laughs) Krishna Radhe, that is something that is brought up as an example of true Pure divine love. In fact, you know, one of the most beautiful description of this event mm. is what K. Munshi wrote in his book, Krishnavatar. It's really inspired writing, though he says that it's fictional. That's mm. what he says in the introduction. But he says, what I see Krishna has, I feel this is what would have happened. And I'm sure there was a lot of fact in what he wrote. Because Swami went to him in the later years and showered so much love on him. You know, he writes about that incident that after Radha says that I will not call Krishna back, whatever he does, he does. Mm. Krishna comes back to Radha Mm. and he says, you tell me to stay, I'll stay. Mm. You know, that's what he says. I'll give you two choices. You tell me to stay, I'll stay or you come with me. Mm. I'll take you to Mathura. So Radha tells Krishna that you can never remove yourself away from me. Mm. Because the aspect of yourself which you've given me will always be mine. And he says, but if I come with you now, that Krishna whom I fell in love with will no more be there because you Mm. will be Prince Krishna. Mm. So, in the pursuit of me trying to hold on to what I have now, I will actually lose what I have. But if I am here, I can still have and nobody can take that away from me. And that's what she proved till the end of her life. Swami narrates in that poem which Swami wrote, when Krishna comes back after so many years, Radha is not even surprised to see Krishna. Mm. Because contrary to belief, she has always lived with Krishna. All those years when she was away from Krishna. Krishna had become a part of her. Right. I think that is an example that we should all try to emulate because that is what will give us solace. Even if we take it practically, what will our complaints ever fetch us? Swami, why did you leave? We are not coming back. What Swami, we thought you will come back. Whatever. You know, we are literally doing that. We are pointing out in this discourse you said for this many years, in that you said this. So therefore how, I mean, we have compiled lists and we have put it together and told that's it's also our stupidity to find other ways of justifying these words. True or false. We always try to say that, you know, actually Swami meant like this. And these are the calculations. It only shows that we are not ready to accept things as Swami wants it to be. Hmm. We have a need to have an explanation. Right. For every act that He does. And I think that is where, if at all you have a need, a need to check, a need to verify, a need to have an explanation. It is so contrary to having faith. If I have faith, I just don't need all this. 
fine this is how god wanted it and that's how it will be and i'm fine with it i remember a beautiful quote that had been put up in our library in brindavan mm-hmm. it said god has a plan and that's all i need to know <laughs> it's really as simple as that but we just are not happy with simple right but you know having said all that it's not only us who keep slipping every now and then and i think as we have reiterated it so many times that slip is needed every now and then so that we can pull up ourselves and reassess like somebody once said the difference between a mahatma and an ordinary man it's not that you falter and he doesn't it's just that a mahatma is a person who identifies his fault every time he falters another quotation i remember at this point is uh, success lies not in never falling but in rising back every time you fall right no just talking about all that one of the most famous examples of surrender that swami often gives is that of lakshmana Hmm. And almost every time when Swami describes this episode, which I'm going to narrate now, I'm reminded of the other episode which happens, and I say, Swami, why don't you narrate that also? <laughs> Because He shows you in poor light. <laughs> you know, when Swami says in Ramakatha Swami, that part is there, where Lakshmana is asked to put up a hut hmm. in Panchavati. I think you know when Rama, Sita, and Lakshmana are banished to the forest, they go to the Panchavati forest. and there rama calls lakshman and says just choose a place which you feel is suitable and put up a hut where we all can stay mm. and lakshmana starts crying he said what sin have i done to hear these words from you what rama and sita are surprised you know what has rama told that you are so offended and then lakshmana says that you think that i have a will of my own you think i have a desire and wish of my own mm. you saying choose a place according to your liking mm. so he says rama whatever you say is what i want there's nothing like i desire something separate from your wishes so then rama says that how lucky i am to have a brother like you and then rama chooses a place and of course there's another incident also which swami narrates when vibhishana comes to join the camp of rama hmm. you know rama looks at all the people gathered there and asks each of them their opinion swami says that you know rama comes up as a ideal leader he takes the consensus of all the people around to take a decision hmm. you know he looks at sugriva and sugriva says no no you should never trust a man enemy, who has come uh. from the enemy camp in fact sugriva says he has betrayed his own brother how can we trust him and then rama says sugriva what have you done <laughs> <laughs> hmm. okay and then uh, he looks at jambavan and asks him and jambavan gives an answer he looks at hanuman and asks him hanuman says that i've met vibhishana in lanka he is a very pious man i think we can trust him and he turns to lakshmana and lakshmana says that rama what are you asking me whatever you choose is the right whatever you choose to do i stand by it and again swami says that see lakshmana chose like this in fact swami also narrates that when lakshmana falls unconscious in the battlefield he says that rama laments saying that oh lakshmana if i can get a mother like kausalya i can get a wife like sita but to get a brother like lakshmana is simply impossible I means that is the kind of position and pedestal that lakshmana is placed on right and can you imagine the same lakshmana who had this kind of indistinguishable character when lanka has been conquered mm. ravana is killed at that point where rama is about to enthrone vibhishana as the king of lanka and return lakshmana says that lanka is such a beautiful city you know swarna bhumi it's a mm. land of gold why don't we rule here why don't we shift our kingdom to you know lanka, lanka. that's what lakshmana suggests and then the famous quote where rama says that janani janmabhumi scha swargata pinagari you see yeah when swami narrates the story all the focus is on the janani janmabhumi scha yeah. that is mother and motherland, motherland are greater than heaven itself heaven itself 
but to think of it the same lakshmana who started crying when asked to choose a spot to build a hut on hmm. here was giving the suggestion that why don't we stay back and <laughs> take all this kingdom and you know let ayodhya be ruled by bharata hmm. i think everybody has the moment where you slip to know that little bit of flaw where swami says even in chemistry we see that it's more difficult to purify that which is 99% hmm. the purification from 99% to 99.5% is much more difficult than, than the purification from 80 to 85% to 80 to 90% correct in fact 0 to 50% takes place in a trice you know when we talk about solvents you just need to distill it that's the simplest procedure in chemistry but to get from that 99 to 99.5 and every progressive 0.1% is more difficult and i think that's what happens with these devotees that one little flaw which they have god creates situations where they fall what we see as a fall but for them is a situation to identify that there is a flaw so in fact if we feel that in his standards god is being very stringent with us and very strict while all around people are getting away scot free with far greater mistakes i think then that's a point to rejoice because one way of looking at it is it is for purifying me more and more that it is happening and each person is undergoing his own purification process my business is to mind my own purification and take care of it in fact you know there's a very famous theory being a school student i think you would know huh? shailesh's clean slate theory exactly yes <laughs> you know which says that on a slate on which there are a lot of scribbling already one more speck of chalk will not make much of a difference but on a slate that is very clean one speck of chalk dust will be seen very clearly so also you know they say that when you are had a perfect virtuous life even one flaw on that will be seen and therefore it will be even immediately punished but on the other hand if you have life filled with flaws one extra flaw will not make any difference to the overall scorecard there so it will be just put there but you have to pay for it sometime but it may not be seen immediately right so this was taught to us that if at all you see that a smallest mistake that you made is also being immediately punished rejoice because maybe your slate is clean <laughs> well again it's such a delicate line to tread because though it should give us satisfaction and joy that the slate is clean it should not lead to ego that will result in dirtying the slate all over again in a trice so it has to be ego free at the same time it should not depress you were speaking about ramayana <laughs> and uh, you know i was reminded of one more episode but maybe we'll take that episode after this break yes short song break at the end of it we'll come back to this discussion and maybe wind it up bah chudaye jaate ho निबल जान के मो हृदय से जब जातो सबल में जानो तो हे गिरिधर गोपा करुणा सिंधु कृपा वत्सल सब के संबल मोकुले हरि मैं नहीं तुम नैना हरि मैं नहीं तुम नैना निर्बल के बल दीन के बन निर्बल के बल दीन के बंधो 
बचन सुन के बैना हरी मैं नहीं तुम नैना हरी मैं नहीं तुम नैना थाम गरिया जान डगरिया ले चालो मोहे जानो तुम्हारे शरण में तुम्हारे शरण में अब मेरो ठोर ठिकानो गोपाल गोपाल अपने पतित को बैगे उबारो अपने पतित को बैगे उबारो नाम रटो दिन रैना हरी मैं नहीं तुम नैना हरी मैं नहीं तुम नैना दर्शन से सुख बिन दर्शन दुख प्रभु मेरो मन वापा तुम देखे मेरो सूरज उगे तुम बिछड़े छुप जावे गोपाल गोपाल हर तुम ही आंधे की लकुटिया हर तुम ही आंधे की लकुटिया तुम ही जिया को बैना हरी मैं नहीं तुम नैना हरी मैं नहीं तुम नैना हे गिरधर गोपाल श्यामा दीन दयाल भक्त वत्सल सबके संबल मुकुले संभाल गोपाल 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 यस लिस्नर्स वेलकम बैक we are in the afternoon satsang and we are talking about the topic the difference between knowing faith and having faith so yes arvind let's continue with this discussion which is so engrossing well i think if we you know continue to give either personal examples or examples of people who are known to be stalwarts in faith but who actually faltered when it came to having faith at some instances i think we can find any number of examples but in order to move this discussion towards a conclusion i'll give you one small personal example you know in the last 3 4 years when swami used to give darshan he used to give it on the wheelchair when swami comes on the wheelchair sometimes i would notice that after the lady side the boy who is pushing swami's chair simply turns swami towards the interview room and takes him off there or some days you know swami would come late for darshan i'm saying late because we often think that swami will come by say 4 o'clock or 4:30 or 5 o'clock sometimes he comes at 6 6:15 or 6:30 that is what i mean by saying swami comes late swami is never late on such days i would think that 
oh god swami we have sat here for so long waiting for you at least give one full the round darshan and it would look like as if swami wants to go around one full round in the hall but last minute after the lady said the boy pushing apparently in a hurry because it's got late now in the evening and swami should receive aarti soon he just cuts and i used to feel what is this in my mind i used to harbor some kind of anger against those boys you know thinking why are you turning swami away from his devotees swami wants to come to the devotees the devotees want swami why are you becoming like that in fact there are many such stories if i can say in fact somebody used to say that the term volunteer means wall and tear where the volunteer becomes like a wall in between the lord and the devotee and brings tears in the devotee's eyes i also you know subscribe to this and think yeah this is like that and this is what i used to think one day i had a dream it seemed like an ordinary dream but the profundity hit me when i woke up in the morning and noted it down in the dream swami was being taken on the wheelchair back to yajur mandir his residence and at the yajur mandir the students who are in charge of taking him there they leave swami's wheelchair at yajur mandir because from then on somebody else's duty it is to take over and they leave and in the dream i am again angry on them i'm thinking what is this how can they leave swami alone like this and go off don't they want to take care of swami and so i go and sit beside swami thinking that you know till somebody comes and receives swami from inside yajur mandir let me be here and then as i'm sitting swami looks at me and tells what and i tell him swami i will wait swami i will wait till you go in then in the dream the realization that i get is that those students who have left also is because swami wanted them to leave mm-hmm. it is not that they had some kind of hurry and they didn't want to be with swami or anything like that and swami wanted me to get the chance of sitting next to him so you see a student coming to swami is also his will a student leaving swami there in my dream and going away is also swami's will there's nothing to be credited to the student to me there in the dream for sitting next to swami and nothing to be criticized in those students who left swami because they did not leave actually you know so this is one profound truth that hits me and as i'm sitting there i see that under swami's right hand on the wheelchair there's some kind of a joystick mm-hmm. so i see that until swami wow i did not know that your wheelchair had this joystick then swami looks at me and says see and he moves the joystick to the left and he says see and the wheelchair moves to the left he moves the joystick to the right and says see and then the wheelchair moves to the right then i am surprised in the dream and i say wow swami your wheelchair has a joystick i did not know that and then these words prem i think we should etch it in our heart swami says nobody knows everybody thinks that the boys behind are pushing and taking me wherever they want <laughs> i am actually controlling i take them where i want they just follow me you know this was an answer to what i had been thinking about them turning away swami and doing as they will in spite of knowing that it is the lord's will that always comes true and everything that is happening is his will theoretically i am very firm in this belief and conviction but when it comes to practicality how i falter day to day life i mean me thinking that oh god why did you turn swami away i want swami to come here is actually rooted in my lack of conviction that everything that happens is because of his will that is how subtle faith is or the lack of faith is i mean so to get absolute faith one has to become one with the divine if we see like this in our day to day life there are so many instances where we will be able to find out that we are apparently violating what swami has said <laughs> and thinking that we are firm in our faith exactly you no know, this very incident that you narrated where swami was saying that i have the control in my hands 
it's again coming back to that point where the horizon of our faith has to slowly expand to engulf every aspect of our life hmm. you know when swami was walking if swami took a letter or did not take a letter it was swami took the letter swami did not take the letter but from the light of the understanding which you gave us now whether anybody took the letter or not who was around swami it was swami willing to take it or not hmm. so now you have to look at swami as swami and the boys around him and the people around him correct but the fact is nothing can happen to you in your life if swami is not willed that for you you know i cannot come up to you and verbally abuse you if that was not part of swami's plan for your day to day hmm so that should actually remove all kind of hatred towards anybody all kind of favoritism you know towards one person which you do not show towards another person because whatever comes to you good or bad in a day is what god has planned for you for that day hmm so which means if we say that i have complete faith in swami i'm sure that shows what we are right now and where we should actually be another lovely point that you made prem that we should not feel hatred towards anybody who speaks anything if our faith is 100% because this is what swami is giving it also brings up the fact that i do not get attached to anybody else also because usually why do i get attached because i feel oh this person has so much feeling for me <laughs> this person has so much concern right. for me now you realize that that feeling and concern is also swami's plan so whatever happens throughout the day it reminds me only of swami makes me remember swami and that is what it is supposed to do in fact you know there's that beautiful bhajan the line goes tum bin prem koi nahi dene wale uh-huh. now once somebody was telling actually it is not that nobody else loves me other than you he said whoever loves me is actually giving me your love exactly this is what we discussed prem you know another satsang when we spoke about the tap and water analogy absolutely we seek water i mean we seek love but what happens is we get attached to the tap that is giving us water that is where the problem comes because if the tap runs dry we start thinking that we are loveless we have not lost anything because water is available in abundance everywhere we just seek that water because the water comes from the single source that is the lord all the love in the universe comes only from the lord today i may be getting it from you tomorrow i may get it from somebody else let us not lose the love because we are attached to the object of love and that's what faith can do in fact you know nisargadatta maharaj hmm. one of the great advaitic seers we have seen in the recent history i remember even one swami had spoken about him calling right. him the bidi wala and said that in fact you know once people ask swami hmm. swami you talk about realization and uh, being one with god in this modern world is there anybody who has reached such a state Hmm. And that time Swami said, "Yeah, he's there, that Bombay beauty wala." And after that, people realized that there is somebody like Nisargadatta Maharaj hmm. in Bombay who was actually an owner of a pan shop and okay. had a family, and who actually was a realized soul. Hmm. So when people would go and ask him, Maharaj, how did you attain the final realization, which is so difficult to attain? He would just say one answer: My guru told me that I'm God, and I believed him. Hmm. You know, as innocent as that, and as profound as that. But is it as simple as that? <laughs> you know, that's that's what faith is. Because he said, "I believed my guru. I had full faith when he told me that you are God." It reminds me of a quite famous story. You know, it is said that there was a region that did not have rains for many years, mm-hmm. and therefore they decided that they would hold a mass prayer and pray to the Lord for the rains. And so everybody was told to get an object of faith, which they could hold, whether it's a cross or a statue of Lord Ganesha, whatever you like. And on that day, as everybody prayed, it suddenly began to rain, and everybody was getting wet. You know, it was a downpour. Suddenly, amidst all that crowd, came one little umbrella, which a little girl was holding, and then she said, 
you know when we are all going to pray and god is going to give us rain definitely and therefore i brought this umbrella along as my object of faith because i trust the umbrella to keep me dry <laughs> and you know that i feel is real great faith you know everyone of us is praying for rain but faith is such that you know that it will happen if we know that it will happen why don't we get along an umbrella you know that's the thing when i was reading a book a few days back hmm. where to say that when you attain realization or oneness with god practically what does it appear like so he just said the easiest identifiable quality is fearlessness hmm and in fact if you have complete faith 100% faith it should reflect in us as fearlessness hmm. because nothing unpleasant can ever happen to me or nothing which god gives to me can be unpleasant either way you look at it it's perfect right hmm. so fearlessness is actually nothing but 100% faith and that is the greatest gift that we can get from god and that is why you know when swami used to raise his hand we used to call it abhaya hasta abhaya hasta a hasta a hand which gives abhaya or fearlessness and all the gods that we can think of starting from ganesha to swami to jesus to buddha everybody have their hands in that abhaya pose you know it is a strong indicator and inspiration for all of us that you have to attain fearlessness that is an indicator for ourselves to judge on how complete our faith is and that's why swami always used to say be happy because if you have no fear you will always be happy the anxiety is completely deleted from your consciousness isn't it interesting prem how everything seems to be connected you know faith is connected to love which is connected to non attachment which is connected to overcoming vices which is connected to moksha surrender and surrender. realization <laughs> and jnana to prem somehow you start on any topic and we speak about everything i don't know whether you know we are simply totally messed up in the head or whatever but it so looks like everything is so 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 well connected and everything is the same we thought we'll be talking about faith and we ended up talking about surrender we started talking about love i'm sure if we start talking about purity also we'll get in all these topics together i think that's the paradox of swami and spirituality like one of lecturers is to say mm. swami had this padyam vetukto nanu vetukto nanu i'm searching for a true devotee mm. and i'm still yet to find one Hmm. Now Swami used to say like you all have found a god but I have not found my devotee. Huh. That's how Swami used to say. And one of our lecturers used to say that this is a paradox. Hmm. Because Swami will never find a true devotee. Because okay. he would say that Swami starts a discourse by saying divyatva swarupalara and if you really believe Swami 100% the moment you hear that statement then you should be realized just like nisargadatta maharaj right you huh. have to completely trust in your guru and the moment you completely trust then you realized you become one with god so you are no more a devotee separate from you know devotee who is worshiping god so he says that swami will never find that devotee <laughs> having 100% faith it is just like saying that nobody can ever find 100% happiness because the cause for happiness and sorrow coming together as a dual world and the only way as we discussed in our previous satsang the only way to overcome sorrow is to get beyond this duality into the advaitic atmic reality and once you get to that level what happiness are you searching for whom are you talking about <laughs> so yes these kind of paradoxes are there to thrill the intellect but they are also there to inspire our soul dear listeners we hope that you enjoyed this satsang as much as we enjoyed being a part of it all your thoughts suggestions feedback are most welcome you can write to us at listener@radiosai.org so that dear listeners brings us to the end of this afternoon satsang we heartfully thank you for joining us and we thanks ramy for giving us this opportunity till we meet you again next week this is prem from team radiosai and with me is 
Arvind from Team Radio Sai and we sign off with the name of our Lord on our lips and in our heart. Sai Ram, you just heard an episode of our radio series Afternoon Satsang. This is a live discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics and today's episode was first featured as part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live at 12.30pm on July 11th, 2013. You can mail us your comments and feedback to listener at radiosai.org. Thank you and Sai Ram from Prashanthi Nilayam.